0: You're listening to the Irish Times Rochine Meets podcast.
1: Welcome back to Roisin meets Now, if you live in Dublin, especially on the north side of Dublin, you can't have missed the amazing ads for someone called Mattress Mick. That's him with the interesting fashion sense and the cloud of grey hair. Uh, He's a purveyor of mattresses. He goes to bed with most of North Dublin and a bit of South Dublin because he has a shop in Pierce Street just down the road from this studio. He's everywhere, really, and he really was everywhere around a year ago when his rap video went viral. And now, which is just beautiful, actually, that this is happening. There is a movie out about him and it charts his evolution as Mattress Mick, but it also, more importantly, in a way, looks at the relationship between him and a man called Paul Kelly, who is the man behind Mattress Mick in in a very big way. Our film critic, Donald Clark, uh, Clark has called him uh, Mattress Mick's Alistair Campbell, which I think is a good mm-hmm. one. Now, I'm going to stick my neck out here because I've just watched um, the movie and I've been very moved by it. And I think Basically, Mattress Men, which is the name of the movie, is, is a fantastic love story. Um, I don't know how you guys feel about that, but I'm going to say it anyway. It's also an un- unflinching look at this country about issues like poverty. It's about a man trying to better himself to support his family. It's about the power of forgiveness. And it's also a bit like Spinal Tap meets The Office. That's my judgment. Um, it's surreal and it's poignant. And it might just be one of the greatest Irish documentaries ever made. You might think a film called Mattress Men would be about mattresses but really it's about so much more and anyone who listens to this podcast knows I'm a bit of a sap but I cried my way through it. I also cracked up a lot and was very uplifted and that's why after that very long preamble I'm really delighted to welcome the stars of the movie Michael Flynn aka Mattress Mick and Paul Kelly the man who created the character pretty much and Colm Quinn who made this really incredible film. You're all very welcome. Thank you very I much. I don't again. usually talk that much at the beginning of my podcast <laughs> but I wanted to set the scene and, and tell people about it but Mattress Mick Michael Flynn, I'm going to come to you first. Could you tell us about meeting Paul Kelly for the first time in the yacht pub? Because the film sort of slightly begins there and ends there with a very poignant final scene.
0: Yes, um, I met Paul Kelly uh, in the yacht pub in Clontarf approximately five years ago. Now, he came over to me. I was sitting at the bar having a pint and he came over to me and he said, are you Michael Flynn? And I said, I am. He said, I'm Paul Kelly. I remember you from many years ago standing at the door of your shop, of your shop in Pier Street. So I said, well, Paul, I don't remember you, but uh, would you like a pint? So uh, he was with some company. He was in some company there. That he was involved in a film group and they had come to have a drink after doing some work together. So he sat down. We had a, a very, very brief chat. He asked me how I was, what I was doing. And at that time, my business was in a bit of a turmoil. I was always in the furniture business but in at that period things were going wrong I was locked into very high rents major service charges and the recession had hit so big ticket items like furniture were not selling the way they used to so I was in the doldrums a little bit I just, but I was always determined not to let things get the better of me so I had put into place an idea to sell, a, set up shops just selling mattresses and beds because that was the biggest part of my business Now, I didn't have a lot of reserves left because I would put everything I had in to try and save my business, which was a mistake. And I think a lot of people can probably relate to that where you try to say Mm. it's going to be okay, But um, I knew very little about how about social media, first of all. But I had a plan. I had an idea. And um, I still had one of my properties in Kulak was still in my possession as such. And I decided I'd open a mattress shop there. But I had to be a little bit different. I had to be quirky because I didn't have the reserves of my competitors. So we started off after I explained to Paul what I was doing. We came up with a name between us. We argue about this a little too. Yeah, so
1: who takes the credit? Paul, I'm going to let you come in here. Do you remember obviously meeting Michael in, in the pub or that fateful meeting in a way, as it turned out? Who came up with Mattress Mick?
2: Well, it was my idea to toys Mick and put his face out there. And I remember Mick saying, what, my face? Like, you want, well, look, look at me. And I'm like, yeah, Mick, your face will work. Because if I remember you after 20 years, it won't really work. You're going to put a face to the a, a character. And uh, we we just need to come up with a new name because Mick had, his company was called Beds Plus And so... Mick rang me then that night and what? went what about Mattress Mick and I went perfect that's the perfect name right. his name is Michael Mick so it, it
1: came <laughs> from the conversation the two of you came together and and, and had this brilliant idea the so idea. Paul tell me a bit about your situation at the time and Column, I'm going to come to you in a minute about yeah. how the film got made but I just want to get, get a bit of uh, Paul's background before we go into that
2: um, well when recession hit um, I was married with London twice within three years and the only person I felt I could rely on was myself so when you're really down on life, you turn to these positive books, like The Laws of the Universe, visualising what you want, and that's what I did. And I found that they helped me a lot, and I got an urge to set up my own business. So I got into filmmaking, and when I got into filmmaking, I came up with an idea of taking the first stage of an audition process online for actors' monologues, and, you know, where it would connect everybody to the world. But the website was going to cost 25000 to build, and I'm like, how do you build an empire on pennies? So that was quite... It was that was like a no-no like you know but the idea itself was, was is a really good idea and it was just that we were celebrating uh, the, a film when I met Mick and that's where the mattress Mick came from like
1: Okay, so you started working for um Mick then essentially no no, no, I was
2: working for I had my own, own company, business, yeah, I yeah. need the videos that you're seen all through the the first two and a half three years, like none of them were paid for like Mick would give me you see when you start, to start off a business, I'd have nothing like and I got some bought some equipment I went with the Irish film Board, you know when you set up and then like I bought a, a lot of equipment and I was just learning as I, as I went along so Mick would give me the room space. So I wouldn't have to, you know, have rents, overheads, rents, and then in return, I would make make the videos. And it was great because I was only learning through YouTube. You do a filmmaking course, but I never knew anything about green screen until I was studying it, like, you know. So it would give me a great advantage to learn how to use different stuff for
3: videos.
1: Okay. So, Colin, bring you in here, because where did you come across these characters and decide that this would make a good movie?
3: Well, yeah, it was uh, it was a chance encounter with uh, with Paul Kelly one particular night. Uh, Paul was in the habit of inviting randomers walking up Pear Street into the mattress shop to show him show, show them the the green screen studio that he had set up at the back, and uh, I happened to be one of those those lucky passers by one particular night. So uh, curiosity got the better of me anyway, and. Uh, Went out the back and Paul just kind of you know started showing me around this ramshackle green screen studio at the back of you know a mattress shop that I think had seen better days at that stage, and yeah, it was just fascinating. You know, Paul just started telling me about his his background, his his story. You know, like the pen to the wall in the in in the little office where he was working was you know this house that he wanted to get for his kids and stuff. You know and. You know, it just the the whole thing just really kind of resonated, you know, and it became, wow, this is this this is fascinating. So I think pretty soon after we kind of discussed, you know, maybe we should try making something. You know, I mean, I kind of explain my background. I do docs, that sort of thing. And Paul was up for it, you know, he said, but, you know, you're going to have to go and speak with Mick and see what he thinks. So so thankfully we got Mick's blessing as well. And uh, yeah, we just we just went from there. Yeah.
1: Um, I mean, the thing about the documentary is that it doesn't try and. Shy away from anything. It's all there, Paul. The worst of your life, the best of your life, say. Mattress Mick, you're there in all your your glory as well. We kind of see you a lot. But, Paul, you're exposed in a big way because, like, at the beginning, you're working for Mattress Mick for one day a week while you're on the dole. You're in a lot of debt. You are sort of very down... In your look, your relationship is is falling apart. You've got two beautiful, beautiful children, which you have a great relationship with. But you're you're wanting big changes in your life, like Column says. At one point, there's, you can see the post its which say, "I I have a house in Santry with four bedrooms. I've quit smoking." But there you are, chain smoking away throughout the uh, throughout the film. Yeah. So, did you have any issues with kind of laying yourself out <laughs> bare like that?
2: Um, no, you see, well, when Column. Um, Asked, could you make a film and I just felt there was, it was a voice inside me there was something, your story would be told and when Colum approached me I got real excited and said Colm you're not going to believe this, like I remember like, like this film will do well because I knew you were going to come to me, I knew somebody would tell my story So, but for him to tell the story I had to be completely 100% open with everything in my life because it's not just me but like Eighty percent of Irish people are out there struggling in the same situation as I am a lot of them are giving up like the lot you know I'm basically home I'm living in my mum's house like i'm 43 I can't live with my kids uh, because it's overcrowded yeah uh, the only way I can see of me getting a house one day is fighting for life fighting to secure me bu- a, a business and a, and trying to get over all the hardship and and things have dragged me down all all my life and better myself like and i'm hoping that this film like when people see this film you know Irish people it will give them some sort of hope as well you know to just keep going keep going in life
1: um michael when you what how would you characterize your relationship with paul because i did say it was a great love story there and i'm not really joking that much because while you do argue a good bit and there's some some not very nice moments between you there's also this kind of there's also this appreciation of each other, I think. if Paul, from your point of view, you say at one point that Mick sort of saved your life a little bit in terms of the, have, the relationship.
2: Like, even though I set up a business, I would have nothing without Mick. He's like a guardian. He's been always kind, always open. Like, and, you know, I know we have arguments, but we have to have them arguments, I, f- I, I think.
1: What would you say? I mean, you've got a few daughters, I think. you don't have, Do you have any sons? No. So is there a little bit of that going on? Parental type of thing?
0: No, definitely not. I think um, um, my relationship with Paul is—it's—it's it's a very unusual relationship. Like, um, it's a different relationship. We're not—we were not—not not friends when we met. Well, we weren't because we hadn't seen him for quite a long time. But when you get to know somebody and you get to understand how people tick, you get a better understanding of what their life is like. Um, Paul and I. Like We have conflicts, and I think those conflicts are necessary for our relationship, for our working relationship, because if we didn't have them, we wouldn't have this powerful film, first of all. We wouldn't have the understanding... I understand his needs. He understands my needs. Uh, He understands my ignorance of social media. I respect and understand his knowledge of social media. Uh, I can't work without him. I could not be a success without him. And he as he just said, could not work without me. I just say
1: Paul has kept this very smug grin on his face at the moment, (laughs) delighted with himself.
0: (laughs) But it's something that I thought Paul was very brave to expose his life the way he did in the film. I don't know how when his family see it how they're going to react but.
1: No I don't either and we'll t- we should talk about that but I also want to bring in this promoter character Sean Mooney into yes. the, the thing because this guy comes along and he's you you decide to give this guy Sean Mooney not Paul kind of control over the videos when Paul has been doing them all along and suddenly there's this other guy in town. I mean you couldn't make it up actually it's unbelievable. It's like Mattress maker you're in the middle of this sandwich between Sean and Paul and there's this conflict obviously between the two guys because they're not liking each other or respecting each other, it's kind of hard to watch so what was that like at the time when when that happened?
0: It was very difficult Sean Mooney was basically not involved in the ordinary videos that we did, he he came along when we were doing Back With A Bang which was a major rap video rap video and um, I've known Sean Mooney for quite a number of years, for a long long time and I've got great respect for Sean Mooney and I felt that uh, he had this conversation with me I did make a mistake. I put my hands up to that. I did get a little bit misled. I, I'm i glad with the decision I made. Which was to go back to Paul and yes, let Paul do the yes. videos. I, I, Sean was trying. I This came to light with the rap video. Sean was trying, I think, to not take control, but to be more... Ed- he didn't have the same respect for Paul as I had.
1: Yeah. I mean, he said some pretty nasty things at yeah. some point. I, I, when you're watching the video, the film, and you see those parts, Paul, was that difficult?
2: No, because, you know, I'm good at judging people and... You knew. You knew straight away. For someone, after two years of working for nothing and building up a character, to come in, I'm now a mix manager, and if you don't mm-hmm. talk to Mick about it, I like, can... Yeah, that's.
0: Colin wants to come in, in there. Manager, sorry, I never appointed him <laughs> my manager. All right, it was
3: just. Yeah, yeah. I, I think <laughs> I should probably be defence counsel for Sean Mooney Excellent. here. Excellent. I think I, uh, to be fair to Sean, I think like you know but
1: Sean came up with the idea for the rap and Exactly. Was a great You know what idea. I mean? Yeah. I think like
3: he kind of he actually pushed things to kind of like a, a fresh another level. level you know, yeah, definitely. And it kind of took that external influence a little bit to do that. You know, Have,
1: has he seen the film yet? He has. Yeah. Does he feel? How does he feel about it? Because he doesn't come off that well, but at the same time, he's just being himself. He's just saying what he really believes that is right for you, Mattress Mick, isn't he?
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think like it was it was interesting to chatting to Sean about it. You know, I think he he does. Get that sense that you know relationships were evolving throughout this, you know, and I think the interesting thing about Paula and Mick's relationship is this kind of, does this overlap between kind of like a solid friendship and like a business relationship, you know, and I think kind of Sean got caught a little bit in the middle of Absolutely. that, you know, yes. and he, I think his intentions were good, you know, yeah. I mean, I think his intentions yeah, no, like were kind of like to to, that, to, yeah. to promote things and and you know like to to move things forward. I think it was just the way it kind yeah. of played out.
1: I mean, at one point, uh, Mick, you say nobody's going to take charge of me. And if I decide to stop being Mattress Mick, they're all finished. Which well, is quite a dramatic... I know, but it's really funny. There's bits of that like that in the film all over the place, which are just extraordinarily funny and sad and everything. But um, going on from that, poll, so you're in this really desperate situation because you're pinning all your hopes, really, on Mattress Mick for, you know, your family, for your future success, for economically. And like I said, your relationship is, at, is now starting to, to fall apart. I mean, there's a really... Difficult scene, I think, where you're, you're, you know, you're in, a, you're at a function, and Kathy, your your partner, is, you know, you're having a row, and it's like the, the camera's just looking. You can't really hear what's being said, and there's, it was something like, as if you were getting too obsessed with with working for Mattress Mick and not giving enough to your family, that seems to have come across there. Yeah,
2: like I, I spent as much time with with, with my kids, but like when you don't see the benefits of somebody working so hard. Um, To get, you know, they were like, give up, give up, you know, do something different, like, you know, but I just believed in what I was doing was the right pathway and and I had to stick with it which caused a lot of arguments you know with myself and Kathleen and and it was the fact that we could live together as well and the, you know the pressure of yeah. everything involved around that it was just one thing after the other
1: and that's another amazing thing about the film because that's all there very honestly and fair play to to your part your ex-partner your partner for for allowing that as well i mean that she's incredible to be so open because i think for what i found so moving about the film is that it was, as you said, really relatable. I mean, in terms of like, you know, the financial worries that so many people are going through, the relationship issues that so many people are going through. And a lot of those things we try to hide. We don't really want people to see them, but you don't hide in this. And that's why, like you said, brave, but also so important for people to feel like, oh, it's not just me. And, you know, just, that's why I think it's a really great film. I love Kathleen.
2: She is just a wonderful mother to the children. She's, she's great woman. One, She's all about her kids. She's super... And you know, all I need if I get a house one day, like, and hopefully then it'll prove to her, you know, that um, and we can make things work together again. Because, like, she's my first love when I was 17, she was 16. We had a lovely romance, and after 20 years, like meeting Mick, but after 20 years, we found each other again, we fell in love, and have two little girls together. Circumstances in life, you know, we can't. Normally living together, she had two previous kids like, and she actually has a grandchild as well now. She like, yes, does yeah. oh, she doesn't, does yeah. uh, little <laughs> Nova Bell, but <clears throat> you know, my dream is to you know look out the top window and see the kids playing in, in, in my own backyard.
1: Mm. Yeah. Well, I think you're as kind of with all your post-its and your visualization, I, I have no doubt that, that'll that probably happen, Paul. Like you'd be back in a couple of years going, Oh yeah, that totally happened. But just come back to the film again. So you made the decision to to stop working with Sean Mooney and to go back to Paul, which I think was obviously a validation for you. But I think Paul watching the film, there's always this tension because, like, for example, Mick is on the radio talking to some business person about, you know, his idea for Mattress Mick and how he came up with it, and you get very annoyed. There's a kind of there's always this sort of feeling like you're Not being fully appreciated by Mick, and that's always the tension. So, what was it like for you? It sounded like it was very frustrating. You
2: see, like when you're working for nothing for two and a half years for the sake of a room and building up a character, and you watch this business growing and growing, and you're still not getting anywhere in life. And I've like. I watched this program uh, a couple of years ago where people were re- in different countries were registering their own business to get employment. So the employers can. Help. So that gave me the idea, like, because I had my own business registered. I wanted to be independent, working myself. So when you're not even getting ShootAudition.com is my business, and when you don't get the recognition for the work that you're done, you get you have nothing, and it kind of you know really it to- b- b- start boiling. It did start getting to that stage where my blood started boiling, I start getting annoyed, and like like although the film was being in the background being made I I understood that and know that but I just felt like uh, you know I'm not being appreciated uh, enough
1: and from your point of view Mick because uh, I mean I can see it from both sides really I mean Mick's on the radio as Mm -hmm. someone who does interviews Mick's selling the story and it like it doesn't really fit in to go as well there's this other guy in the background it's not the narrative but I can hear it from your point of view Paul that you want to be given the glory which the film is totally doing so I hope you're happy now but how did you find that Mick with, with his you know Paul's kind of frustration with you for not giving him enough credit
0: well, I think his frustration was unnecessary because I think he knew in the bottom of his heart that how we work. Like, I'm talking there to Bobby Kerr. Yeah. It's very difficult to go into the whole story in a short space of time in a pub where, he was, it's where we were being interviewed. So you, you say what is there. But Paul should have, I think, known exactly where I was coming from. Like... I was trying to promote Mattress Make the best way I can without going into the the background of the whole thing. You've only got a certain amount of time to talk. And I think I was a bit surprised at his reaction to that now, to be honest with you. But that is what makes us a team. Yeah. <laughs> you
1: know? That he can say that to you. That he can say like, that. He actually had to put the phone down on you because he was so upset yeah, at one well, point. I he was shut just off like, can't the can't phone." T- I won't tell you what I said. <laughs> I <can> but, <laughs>
0: but, like, these parts are all necessary. I didn't even know it was being filmed. yeah. You they're know, all brilliant bits, though. Yeah. That's
1: what I mean about the office, all these fly-on-the-wall bits. I mean, Colm, it really is like that from the sound of the flipping printer when he pulls printing out his contract that he wants,
3: yeah. you know,
1: Mattress make to sign. Was that what you really wanted, that very fly-on-the-wall look at something?
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was just incredible how honest the lads were from the from the very outset, you know. I mean, it's really to their credit that they remain so open throughout I think over the course of like three years it kind of took to make it as well and I think over the course of that period I think sort of mm-hmm. you know they got, they got a bit sort of more used to me and kind of opened up a little bit more and stuff as well you know what I mean but I mean it's just great hanging out with them you know what I mean yeah like that. I mean oh, that's totally. just as, as you're finding out I you am know?
1: well I mean watching the movie you think that I mean that's what you yeah. think you just think that would be great crack and it would be go on and in fairness to
0: Colm when he was filming we never knew he was actually there we became very comfortable yeah with his presence Uh, it was he wasn't intrusive we didn't actually know although he would have the camera in his hand Mm. we didn't know whether he was filming or not filming like it was great and this is why I think both Paul and I could be so honest because we didn't know what he was doing. <laughs> well,
1: that's cool, it was kind of sneaky. I love yeah. it. Yeah, um, he is a sneaky. Ca- can we get to a bit <laughs> in the movie which is, uh, I mean, kind of shocking? And you're just going, "Oh no!" Because I mean, all the time I was in when I was watching it today in the office, you know. And I having to pause it just to have a little cry. You, Paul, it's just <laughs> things that you do and say just really got to me. And uh, someone across from me was going, geez, there better be a flipping happy ending here, you know, and I'm like, I just don't know if there will. But, you know, it kind of gets worse, the film in a way. I mean, you're in a bad situation. And The next thing, it gets discovered, Paul, that you have been taking money from Mattress make or having some you know dodgy dealings um, I mean you can t- tell us about that and again that's in the movie like you don't stop that from being in the movie which is incredible
2: yeah now look we, you know everybody goes through bad times in life and I wasn't that I was taking money I sold a mattress out of the shop because I was stuck for money for something like that you know I really wanted to get for somebody like and it, it's you know it was a difficult time and, and I did take the money uh, or, or, or the mattress and sell it like and it's, I, I do regret it like um, but a- everybody makes mistakes in life I know life and but
1: there's an amazing scene where you've discovered this Mick and you're sort of asking Paul is that it is it just the 100 euro mattress is there anything else And I mean, it's kind of incredible having watched the movie up to that point, because you've obviously got this relationship, as you say, this give and take and kind of very different people who need each other in different ways. And there's a sort of a point where it seems like perhaps that's maybe the end of the road, because how how do you move past that? You know, it's the real arc of the movie where I'm kind of going, oh, my God even though you've done something wrong, Paul, I'm just going, but, like, you know, he's in dire straits and he's a good person and, and that's actually what you say to me is, like, I don't think I'm a bad person, I think I'm a good person. What what was going through your mind at that time and how did you weigh up kind of what happened next?
0: Well, in that particular scene, I knew it was being filmed because both of us were there together and uh, we, we discussed it beforehand. But I... um. I'm a peculiar kind of guy, like I will always try to see the bigger picture. Um, Paul put his hand in, the sp- in, in my pocket as such, um, I was I had to know and I had to find out was that the only one or occasion if I would have I, I did know it was I, I, I knew, but I had to get Paul to tell me that I needed to hear the truth, and I went into that uh, conversation, knowing what I was going to do, like I wasn't going to fire him. I understood his predicament, particularly when he explained to me the fact that there was nothing else. I was comfortable with that answer. But actually, before I went to that meeting, I knew forgiveness was going to be there. Mm. Um, Because I've got to know Paul. I knew a lot of his his problems. I know that he's not a bad person, but I know he was a desperate person at Mm. that time. And... I I hope that answers the question. No,
1: it it does. But uh, do you know what I was also thinking, watching it, though? Um, You can see how much work Paul puts into the Mattress Mick phenomenon and how, like, maybe, and to his own personal detriment, to some degree, um, sacrificed a lot and kind of, you know, was pinning all his hopes on this. Did you feel at all guilty for kind of all that work that he was maybe doing without any proper payment. I mean, I know you gave him the room, but was there part of you, your conscience pricked a little bit that maybe I should have been doing more for him over those two years?
0: Possibly. conscious, not consciously. No, no, because I was also out there doing things that I didn't like to do. And were strange to me, like for standing, for example, dressing up. There's some very nice costumes. the (laughs) The costumes. Like I was also giving the whole thing a lot of time. Um, but I, it's your
1: business, though. Like it's I know, Paul's but it was business. growing. Yeah, it,
0: it, it hadn't grown. It was growing, yeah. and uh, it was a long-term view that we took on, on the idea of Mattress Make being a, a success. Like what we set up to do was really just sell mattresses, not to become personalities. But it was as a result of becoming personalities now we are selling more mattresses. You are. Oh, absolutely. So has it worked?
1: So so the pull strategy of the videos and everything has paid off for you?
0: Absolutely. There's no doubt about it. Our business and our brand is getting stronger and stronger. And now the financial benefits will be Shown.
1: So, so that's why you you meet him at the end um, in the yacht again. Yeah. Sort of like it's it call comes full circle. Yes. And instead of firing him, which as a viewer we're thinking, oh God, yes. is it, is this the end? You actually say you're going to start paying him properly week by week, kind of a it thing. Was a contract. contract. We, we put a contract you Got a contract. Nice one, it that he was
0: self-employed? <laughs> he was working his right. own business. Shoot, audition. Yeah. He would invoice me right for the work for my social media and so forth. Right. So basically. Two things were achieved. Paul had his own company. Mm-hmm. I had an, not an employee. But you have somebody, a subcontractor working for me. Yeah, who understood me, who knew me, who could get into my heart and speak openly to me if I was doing something wrong, as I would to him, and as we did. And it worked out well. Yeah. And it's going, seriously, going from strength to strength. So how
1: long is that arrangement in place now, then, between you and Paul?
0: Um, about a year, year and a bit, I think, isn't it? Yeah, year and
1: a bit. And so, Paul, what difference has ma- that made to your life? I know you, you're not with living with your kids, and that's that's a source of difficulty for you. You're living back in your parents' house, which nobody wants to do at 43. But these things happen. Um, wants to do so, what what yeah. what is the difference in that year of kind of having a, a formal arrangement with Mick? Been uh,
2: well, it's been much better for me. Um, like I'm coming out of debt now. Like I, I don't owe that much money anymore to to debts. And once I pay that off, now I can start looking into saving putting money in toward, into a bank and starting to save towards a, to a house so we can see you know I have a plan now two years like hopefully I'll be able to have a mortgage for a home and and I believe I'll get there if, if, I, if myself and me you know continue yeah. the way we are because
1: there's a lot of phone calls which are again Column, a really good thing that you did I think those fly on the wall phone calls where Paul is ringing up Various people he owes money to, mm-hmm. and again, I think a lot of people watching it will have that horrible chill mm-hmm, of mm. that feeling of very politely because Paul, you have a very good phone voice. I have to, I have to compliment you. You, you start talking in this very different, like, "Hello, it's uh, Paul Kelly," you know, <laughs> yeah. and and you're Swanky trying act. to you're <laughs> trying to kind of get them to understand that you're not messing them around but you just can't do it and everything's on top of you but I just thought a lot of people will kind of relate to that column
3: yeah totally Um, and again it's to Paul's credit that he was willing for those conversations to be captured on camera Um, the same with the scene we just discussed a few minutes ago I mean they were just completely open Um, and yeah like it's it's a difficult thing to to have to discuss especially when there's kind of a, a camera floating around in the background but again I think it was just that thing that you know there was that openness there and you kind of had that sense that your story might kind of resonate with an audience or, you know. So I think that kind of, that bravery sort of underpinned all those decisions from early on. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, it's really to the to the lad's credit, you know.
1: Yeah, I mean, I have to also, as well as I'm, I'm making it sound very sad, but that's the really weird thing about this film is as much as I was crying, like I literally was LOL, laughing out loud at my, at my desk and making everyone go, what, what the hell is she laughing about? But there's one very funny bit where the, the bottom shots, let's call them, in the in the rap video. And I agree with you, Mick, because yeah. Mick was not into these very graphic shots of these three bottoms in underwear. Yeah. Paul was trying to argue that this was what, you know, was gonna make it viral and it was good. But you're very funny talking about the grannies. The grannies won't appreciate the the, the bum shots and all that like um so did you win that argument in the end? Did you get that taken out of the I or, did, yeah. yeah. Like
0: yeah. I gave that a lot of thought. <laughs> like my when i'm out on my own i get all kinds of people coming up to me yeah. i get kids coming up yeah. and I have a selfie can I have a photo i get the grannies. i get everybody yeah. and this that type of thing where it doesn't cost or cause me a lot of problems but i think it would have caused offense yeah. to a lot of people and i'm appealing to a mass audience yeah. i want everybody to buy a mattress from me
1: i know and yeah. i just
0: didn't <laughs> want it to become another kind of Paul,
1: in hindsight, do you feel like, I think the, the words Mick used or something about like the grannies won't be into the arses or something like that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's yeah. so funny. And you're there trying to go. Now, have you ever heard of the phrase sex sells? And it's just like, no, Paul, this is not right. I think you were totally wrong. Defend yourself there. Uh, you <laughs> Maybe know, you came to see you were wrong in the end, did you?
2: No. Well, <laughs> it, it, it's you know a hundred thousand views <laughs> or a million views, like because people.
1: Well, how many views did it get in the end?
2: Uh, over a hundred thousand views.
1: That's, you think it might have got a million with those arses, isn't it? Uh, you know, we let the the other editing stuff go through there. Like it could have really. Well, I'll tell you from it, my personal uh, view that uh, that would have tipped me into not liking that video. Yes. I would have. I would have not liked mattress Mick. Yes. I would have thought it would have gone over into this pervy thing and I would have thought, you know, there's something not quite, it, it was just, you know, with the stuff of the shots in the limo with, you know, the girls fawning over him, that's kind of funny, That's there's fun yeah. in those sexy bits but that was just gratuitously kind of, no, and I would have gone. Yeah. But Mick,
2: Mick was right yeah, and, and he, was and he right. will always have, no matter <laughs> what videos say. that I make, he will yeah. always have the last word because it is his face and it is his personality out there so, he will always have the last one in the video. It was kind of
3: interesting just watching the logic of how these videos form, though. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, they kind of found their way through. You know, and there was a logic to them. And the right decision was made about that video. You know, but <laughs> it was interesting just to be there for those discussions. You know, because they do have their own logic. You know, it's yeah. Mad.
1: Well, Colm, I said at the beginning of something like *Spinal Tap*, *The Office*, those kind of things. I mean, do you do you get the surreal thing that I'm talking about when you're watching it? Because it's the mattresses. I mean, there's one scene with Paul and the guy who keeps vaping. What's his name? The the vapey guy yeah. I, I just called him the Vapor yeah. Carl who was the visual effects guy and they're both lying on the memory phone mattresses and they're both yawning and saying how tired they are and they need sleep and I'm just watching this going do they even realise like that they're creating like a classic moment of film at this time
3: yeah no, uh Carl and Paul were just uh, oblivious the, 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 the gift that uh, <laughs> kept on giving really when they were together you know it was just uh, the pair of them lying on beds oh, vaping away you get your own
1: Ta- show <laughs> like with him just the vapor just constantly vaping away. Yeah, yeah. No, we're, <laughs> we're
3: hoping for a series of spinoffs offs now at this stage. There'll be the Carl and Paul show, and then there'll be the uh, the Brian Mattress Man Trainer show. And, uh, oh, d- oh, yeah. yeah.
1: Uh, sorry, that's the other thing I should mention because I couldn't work out, first of all, whether, whether it was Paul in the mattress um costume, but it's not. It's another guy, right? That's Brian <laughs> Trainer. So, yeah. Brian, right? So, in between all this drama going on of you guys, there's this other guy whose job it is to go out every morning and stand on the street in a mattress costume. And it is the most bizarre thing. And again, he's a bit of a philosopher. Like, he's talking about the sunrise. And he's talking about uh, the <laughs> half five to half seven is the best time of day. And you're kind of going, God, that mattress dude knows a lot. And there's a, there's a kid at one point in, in, a, in a pram who's saying, like, oh, the mother's like, no, he wants to know, like, why you've got a mattress on your head. Your man's like... And then he's talking to himself all the time. It wasn't for your benefit he was
3: doing that, was it? Well, no, I think this was the interesting thing, you know, because, like, he was having the chats with passers-by and, you know, he'd be kind of, you know, chatting a little <laughs> bit under the mattress. So, you know, we got the idea, we've got to stick a microphone on this guy, Absolutely. you know. Absolutely. Like, but, you know, this this was the fascinating thing about it. You know, like, you, like you could give Brian a subject and he would just kind of philosophise on it, you know, like, walking back and forth at the at Art the Town roundabout, like, musing on kind of life and such love. such a and,
1: dedicated and, person there, <laughs> Mick. Do you realise what a valuable asset that mattress is to you? Like, oh, Brian Trainer is a
0: great guy. Like mm-hmm. he, I love him guy. to bits. Like yeah. he's a he he actually he, he's a performer. Yeah, an amazing guy. And he he's uh, he lives in Clontarf. I met him in the Clontarf. Okay. And he I asked him would he give me a dig out to, to do a bit of guerrilla marketing, and that's yeah. what this was. Yeah. He said, "What do you want me to do?" I said, "I want you to get into a mattress." What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> and so we, we reduced the mattress, but he he got into it and he
3: the heat in that mattress is oh, incredible I'd say it's something else it's all foam so have
1: you tried the mattress yourself Colin oh yeah yeah, yeah we, we, we all have uh,
3: the, the, the mattress came uh, to Toronto with us a few months oh, ago well, uh, well, for, well, for this, it, we have to talk had to about go.
1: that because you've gone yeah. to festivals now Is Sheffield happened or is it yeah, yeah. Sheffield, we did so Sheffield Sheffield so Sheffield Toronto yeah. I mean what is the response outside of Ireland because we know Mattress Mick but as I said earlier it's not really about you Mattress Mick no. sorry to offend but it's about a beautiful story of struggles and life and everyone trying to do what they can and yeah. Do you know, at one point you you say, Paul, that you're not live you know, you don't feel like you're you're fulfilling, you felt like you're fulfilling what you were supposed to do. It's like you found a purpose with Mattress Mick, which was such a lovely thing to say.
2: Yeah, because like, you know, on this positive pathway in life and I knew Mick from 20 odd years ago and when I fun- suddenly start leaning on the right pathway yeah. in life, things start coming into my life and hmm. things start happening. You said I had a good voice manner. Well, before <laughs> I worked with matches, Mick, I was doing customer service <laughs> on the phone. So that's where all that training <laughs> came in. I, and taken I was very impressed so by it. Like. Everything just falls into place. Yeah. When you're on the right path, everything you do in life just seems to Come back and, and put you on the way right path. No,
1: I think you're right, and you have a really positive attitude for someone who's had a lot of difficulty and trauma. In a way, um, what, what happens now with the film? Con? Like, what is what's the feedback been from people who aren't from here who have never heard except like Stephen Fry? There's another great bit yeah, of it that was great. Yeah, yeah you were trying to get Stephen Fry down to Peer Street for a play
0: We four. wanted to give him a
3: mattress. The poor man, he needs <laughs> no, one. No, you know. He really needs <laughs> yeah, one. But but, but
1: <laughs> what are people making of, of Mattress Men?
3: Uh, it's been so interesting yeah like in Toronto like I think the thing that kind of kept coming up was just this kind of aspect of reinvention you know like the fact that the boat lads kind of had that going you know in terms of like Paul taught himself the video making skills off the back of kind of losing a couple of jobs like sort of out of nowhere you know he just kind of pursued that you know and found you had a talent for it and then obviously with Mick you know I mean becoming Mattress Mick over the course of the last couple of years you know so they had that parallel where you know it was kind of backs to the wall for, for both of them and they both kinda had to reinvent themselves. And, and people
1: are really appreciating that. And yeah, kind of, and they
3: can see the parallel for, for both of them, you know. Yeah. And it's yeah, no, it's just it's it's and obviously the humor just translates everywhere, you know, uh which is which is great. <laughs> and a lot um,
1: of it's very visual. So even if you don't speak yeah. English, it's like But as you yeah. go around Roshi, yeah. the
3: atmosphere, the the comments from people,
0: it's all goodwill. It's all, oh yeah. It's all well done lads. Yeah. Uh, there's no bad feeling. I know. Because like, I think people can relate to us as being just two Dublin guys.
1: Absolutely. And
0: the amount of favourable comments from all walks of life yeah. is great.
1: Well and I just really admire you, you, all the three of you um, because I don't think that's easy, like you said Colm, you know, I don't think it's easy to put yourself out there I mean you don't come across particularly well sometimes Mattress Mick when you're sort of saying, I think at one point you say to Paul, yeah, people are impressed with you for a change. That was a bit passive-aggressive. <laughs> So there's there's bits like that yeah. that are left in, but they're necessary. No, they're brilliant. But yeah. I'm just saying, like it's not like you clearly didn't sit down with come and go, make us no. look good," because you know you both come out the the, the best of you and, and the, the less abortion. good of you yeah. is there. And that's what we all are because yeah. nobody's perfect and nobody is... I mean, we all try to go out of our doors and present a certain thing to the world and really what's going on underneath, talking about myself here, you know, all that as well, um, is is very different. But to allow someone to sort of document that and to trust someone enough, we, you obviously had a great relationship. Um, so really, I just can't say enough good things about this. And um, as I said, I'm a bit of a uh, sap and people know that, but I think a lot of people are going to be very moved by it. I think... They're going to laugh and cry. And I just would urge everyone to go and see Mattress Men. So Colm, tell us where we can see it and when it's yeah, out there.
3: It's in cinemas and it's also on Virgin Media and Volta.ie okay. uh, from October 7th.
1: Right, and I do think you do need to do part two as well when, when Paul gets his happy ever after. Yeah, we'll, we'll get a trilogy keep, out of this. Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> just keep the video rolling on on, on the guys and uh, it's just fantastic. I think you're amazing people. Um, you know, Mattress Maker, I already loved you because I had Anne-Marie her, in interviewing you two you years yes, ago, which I was just yes, looking yes, up yes, yes. and we had the big uh, mattress cut out against the uh, window in the Irish Times for a long time until people started to get a bit scared going past <laughs> <laughs> so I had to get rid of it unfortunately yeah. but um, no I wish you both the best of luck and you too Colin uh, with it, what is an amazing film it's Element have, have taken it on as a yeah. distributor yeah, or Pictures, distribution are, yeah are doing the distribution it's Ed Guiney and, and all exactly. those guys so they obviously know a good thing when they see it very impressed with their, their realising how great this is and I just think everyone in Ireland should see that film because it's about explaining where we are and and the difficulties that the country has been through how it affects people in a real way and how people can try and get themselves out of it Um, and it's just the most human film ever so I'm ranting now but uh, I'm I'm really delighted and so nice of you to come in so thanks very much
3: Thanks Bob, thank you
1: The programme is produced by Jenny Ryan with Rob O'Sullivan on sound Thanks for listening and I'll see you next time